everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hey, everybody. Ah, yes. We are back yet again, and we have an excellent show in store for you. We are going to talk about some earth-shattering news with regard to Star Wars. Uh, Creepy people show up at baseball games. Uh, (laughs) We are going to talk about sports stadiums in non-sports movies and of course our watch list all right rob let's get started uh first up off the bat we have our um box office update uh so for the box office updates we have um a new crown in terms of number one in the box office and that is don't worry darling don't worry darling came in number one at 19.4 million in its first week uh the woman king was second in its second week 11 million for that avatar raking in another 10 million back in theaters 10.5 actually and barbarian at 4.8 and see how they run at 1.9 million uh what do you make of it rob uh, not very surprised by any of it. No, <laughs> uh, probably not what we expected. What did you? Uh, what do you think of the ten million for Avatar? I knew it was going to make some money, so I'm not not surprised at all. Yeah, um, honestly. Um, and I, what I wonder is, will it make that kind of money? Will it make decent money for a few weeks here to get it to like like forty, fifty million, something like that? By the time all is said and done. Um, I, I'm not sure how long they're planning on keeping it out in the box office, so I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one, see what kind of legs it has, or if it was just kind of a, hey, this is out now, let's go see it, and then people won't be interested in it. Maybe the only people who saw it were the ones who really wanted to see it. Yeah, I'm. The timing is a little curious for me since the other movie doesn't come out quite yet. I would have thought that you would you would wait till like late October to roll this thing out. But maybe, I don't know, maybe the maybe the, the timing does work. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how long it lasts in the box office, how long they plan on keeping it in there. Um, not surprised that Don't Worry Darling was one uh, and Woman King was two. The The wild card was Avatar as to how uh, how much money it was, was going to end up yeah, making. I really need to get out to the theater this week. So you don't worry, darling, because I didn't have a chance to go any any nice this last week. Okay. I did see uh, see how they run last mm. night. So uh, I can talk about that in our watch list. So. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's the box office. Uh, opening this week, we have three movies of note. Uh, Bros, starring Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane, which is two men with committed or commitment problems attempt a relationship. Um, then we have, uh, the good house and that stars Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein. And this is life for new England realty. Hildy good begins to unravel when she hooks up with an old flame of hers from New York. And this is, uh, based on Anne Leary's novel, the good house. And finally we have smile which um, stars uh, Sosie Bacon and Jesse E. Usher. 
And this is after witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. Smile. Uh, we'll get to a little bit more about Smile here in a second. But uh, Rob, what do you make of these three movies? Any of them appeal to you? <clears throat> um, if I had to choose one of the three, it would probably be Smile. Just because I'm interested in that kind of movie and the trailer looked like it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much to say about the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I really, I really uh, enjoy Billy Eichner's style of comedy, but it's not the kind of movie that I'll probably be watching. <laughs> Indeed, me neither. Um, I would probably end up at the Good House. Not that I'm, I'm particularly enamored with the uh, with the movie itself, but that if those three, that's probably the one I would end up seeing if I had to choose. Ah, uh, thankfully I don't have to choose, and there's still some other stuff I wouldn't, I'd want to see. So. Uh, but bringing it back to Smile, uh, I don't know how many people might have seen this uh, over the past week at uh, New York City baseball games, whether you were at City Field or Yankee Stadium. Uh, you might have observed something very, very strange. And uh, that was Smile's viral marketing campaign. They decided to send the actors to sit directly behind home plate wearing fluorescent t-shirts with horribly creepy smiles on their faces the entire time they were back there. I think, uh, I think John boy at one point was, uh, was tweeting about this and said there was a literal demon behind home plate. <laughs> uh, but that was their viral marketing campaign is to send the actors out there to make horribly creepy faces uh, at, at national TV cameras at baseball games. Which is interesting. I mean, what do you make of that as a marketing ploy? Well, I hope they got paid a little extra because that, you know, it's gotta gotta hurt the mouth. Yeah, for real. Just smile <laughs> that much, that wide. Uh, uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely uh, eye catching. Yeah. Very, like, I, I is I think it's pretty clever because it costs probably almost nothing other than getting the person to take it to the baseball game. Yeah. And I, it's there aren't many, th there aren't many things I can think of that would have been that effective with that minimal of an effort. Yeah, it certainly drew a lot of attention. I mean, it was creepy as all get out. That's for sure. It was super creepy. <laughs> I have to wonder what the pitchers were thinking when they were <laughs> seeing that behind home plate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's a strategy. Sometime we'll have to get into like uh, some of the best clever marketing campaigns that that films have produced. That would be a, that would be a fun uh, fun item for exploration. But this uh, this is up there just from the fact that it took a while for everyone to figure out what was going on. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it was interesting for sure. Uh, so that's uh. That's what we got in the box office this uh, this coming week. Uh, three new movies and plus the array of other choices from the past week. Uh, there's actually a good variety of of different genres and and movies out there for you to see. So it's a it's a pretty good time for the box office, which is not uncommon for what you get in fall. Lots of different types of movies. Uh, but now let's move on to our discussion topic. And Rob, this is a big one. 
This is a big one. James Earl Jones is giving up Darth Vader. Mm. He is. He's giving up Darth Vader and he's retiring. Uh, this is this is really interesting. Um, James Earl Jones has, of course, voiced Darth Vader since the uh, since they made a last minute post-production change in uh, when they were working on the original Star Wars film, uh, Star Wars A New Hope. And ever since then, he has been synonymous with that character. Um, according to the article, he was originally paid $7,000 for the role of voice acting on Star Wars. Uh, That's crazy. Um, I guarantee he's been paid uh, more than a little bit more than that since then. Uh, but he's given it up. He, I mean, he's he's getting up there in age. He's not doing nearly as much acting. And uh, what's fascinating about this is he is signing over the rights uh, to his voice and to voice the character to Lucasfilm and to, uh, man, I'm blanking out of the name of the company, um, it's like re-scribe or something like that, re-something re or other, um, where they will have permission from him to do his digitally AI recreated voice on upcoming uh, Star Wars projects. Uh, now, if you recall, this was the same type of technology that they used in uh, some other shows, but also in, uh, in particular, Top Gun Maverick to give... Uh, Val Kilmer a voice back. Um, it's really interesting technology. And it was actually one of the persuading elements for him is when he saw what they could do with it. Rob, what do you make of James Earl Jones retirement? Yeah, I think the, <clears throat> that's key that they're planning to do something digitally to recreate the voice because Darth Vader without Darth Vader's voice would not be Darth Vader. No, you can't recast that. Like and there I is only that, one James Earl Jones. That really speaks mm -hmm. to um, the gravitas and power that he brought to that character. Yeah. With just his voice. Because so much of what Darth Vader is emanates from that voice, from the power in it, from the will in it, the terror in it at times mm -hmm. um, that I it's, it's hard. It's something that's impossible to imagine anyone else doing it because we've heard it for so long now that it is what the character is. Yeah. Well, and I mean, James Earl Jones has one of the most legendary voices. And uh, I don't know. I, I forget the story about how they ended up coming to the decision that they needed someone else to voice the role of Darth Vader. But whoever came up with James Earl Jones and whoever finally made that decision... That was one of the best decisions in the history of film um, because the iconic voice that James has, that he lends to credence to that character, like, as you're saying, they're synonymous with each other. And, and James Earl Jones is the depth of his voice. I mean, it creates the aura around Darth Vader. Um, it really does. So let, let's ask it this way. What now that we're, you know, James Earl Jones himself will no longer be voicing Darth Vader. 
what is what do you feel like the role of Darth Vader is in the realm of cinema villains? What what kind of place does Darth Vader occupy? I think he is one of the first characters that people think of when they think of a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And not only that, I think there is a certain pathos to his character that makes people think of that immediately when they think about a conflicted bad guy. And I think they've done real service to that through the course of the movies and TV shows that they've come out with, whether or not they've all been great. I think there's been a lot of good development of that character in particular Mm -hmm. um, to show you a lot of his upbringing and background and why he is the way he is, why in um, his last moments in return of the Jedi, he is uh, penitent, you know, trying to seek forgiveness from his son um, I think they've done a good job of making that story arc complete for that character. So I think not only is he a great bad guy, I just think he's a great character mm-hmm. in general. I th- I think he's probably one of the more well-rounded characters, really, especially when it comes to a mm-hmm. sci-fi setting that we've seen. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think often the word iconic gets overused. Uh, but Darth Vader is iconic. Like he has a signature look, the, the mask, the voice, the cape, all in black. There's a menacing presence to him. And that is one of the things that you see immediately upon um, the first, really the first scene in um, A New Hope. I, I think one of my favorite Darth Vader moments is the one from Rogue, uh, um, Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah, where it just shows how dominating and devastating he is when he's just wrecking through guys near the end of mm-hmm. Rogue One. Uh, just so good, um, and there's just he's just very he's a very clear character. You're right in that he is very well developed, but he's also just a very clear villain, and. And that works so well in that in that setting. And it and I also so well like well. you said, as far as iconic goes, you could literally just have a black screen and the sound of his breath. Yeah. Play, and almost every movie fan will know what that is with no other context. Absolutely. And if that's not that is the definition of iconic character, I think. Yeah. And now there are certainly scarier bad guys. There are certainly creepier bad guys. There are certainly ones who have played, uh, who have played incredible bad. I mean, Javier Bardem has played a ridiculous amount of great bad guys, but it's hard. It's hard to top a more ubiquitous bad guy than than Darth Vader. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad to see that the that the character gets to live on and will will be um, will be used well. Uh, what do you make of the uh, what do you make of the this AI technology voice technology? I, mean, I think we've got to keep seeing it. Well, I guess we got to keep hearing it mm-hmm. <laughs> being used. Um, I was I was certainly impressed with what they did with Top Gun Maverick mm-hmm. and Val Kilmer's voice because it certainly seemed to me as if he was actually talking. Yeah. So 
I, th I think there is, uh, there's another level to get to when you're talking about doing that for a character like Darth Vader, because there's an expectation. Yeah. Of what that's going to sound like. So if it's off even a little bit, people are going to, you know, make comments about it. And there have been some, some negative feedback around how Luke's voice sounds in um, some of the computer generated stuff they've done as yeah. far as the, the tone tenor of mm -hmm. his voice. So we'll have to see what they are able to do with that. Yeah. I think there's more controversy around the de-aging technology or the CGI. Like they did it in star Wars where they put um, the one general back into, I think it was a rogue one. They put him in. Yeah. Off Mar oh, uh, Moff yeah. Tarkin. Moff yeah. Tarkin. Yeah. Um, and he is dead. And so there's a little bit of controversy about putting the guy in who can't consent to being used uh, at the same time. Like, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to have too many qualms with it personally. Um, but yeah, the de-aging technology hasn't worked as, as well. I mean, the Irishman, you know, as a, as an example of, of that kind of thing where it didn't, it, it was controversial at best, but this is why it's so important that James Earl Jones completely signed off on allowing his voice to be used even posthumously uh, as part of this deal. All right. Well, it's a big moment. James Earl Jones retiring from Darth Vader. Uh, now let's go on to our second discussion. And um, this, I got thinking about this a little bit um, with the, uh, smile viral campaign here uh, can being at baseball stadiums, even though the movie smile really doesn't have anything to do with baseball. It's just their, their chosen venue. Uh, but I thought about there's a lot of scenes and we can actually debate whether there's a lot of scenes. I think there are uh, uh, featuring sports stadiums in non sports movies. And so we thought we'd do a little bit of trivia along these lines Um where we'll we'll go back and forth on this and you can give either the stadium or you can give the movie and the other person has to guess it. So if you give me a stadium, I will have to guess what movie it was in. If uh, I give you a movie, you will have to tell me what stadium was in that movie. Sound good? So I, I would, uh, you know, probably be able to think of more if I spent some more time. Yeah. Think about it. I'm sure. But yeah. Um, I can't with a few. Cool. All right. Uh, but I'll go first. Um, and if, if this happens to be on one of yours, uh, so be it. Uh, <laughs> the movie, I'll give you the movie first for this one. Uh, the town. Oh, the town is Fenway park. Yeah. Yeah. Start you off an easy one. Yeah. One of the main subplots is they're robbing the, they're robbing Fenway park. I guess yeah. that's not really a subplot so much as, the, the focus of this, the crime that yeah. kicks off the whole rest of the movie. The final battle scene all takes place in the tunnels underneath Fenway Park. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty fascinating to see some of the behind the scenes money stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, not that it's exactly like that, but um, I'm sure it's somewhat close to that at least. So, and I don't, I don't know if I specified non-sports movies, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Specify, yeah. Yeah. For the audience, that is. I know I had put it in the outline for you, but yeah, non-sports yeah. movies, that's why. Yeah, yeah, and even though even though that's a main part of the movie, I still consider that not a sports movie. Yeah. 
Um, okay, one I've got is the University of Penn football stadium. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, that's going to be an unbreakable. Yep. Yep. And uh, the interesting thing about that is you may not necessarily know it's the UPenn Stadium unless you are familiar with Philadelphia. Yeah. And I actually just drove by that on my way to see the Killers in concert this last week. Yeah. And when we drove by it, I pointed at it and told our friends, that's the stadium from a break hole. <laughs> and yeah. that's one of the cool things about um, M. Knight's work is that he is very conscious on filming in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. uh, specifically and in that Delaware Valley region generally for almost all his movies. So there are a lot of areas there, if you know um, about the area that are recognizable in his movies. Okay. All right, next one, I will give you the stadium, you give me the movie. Now, it has been renamed this year, and I don't know what the new name is, but whatever, who cares? Heinz Field, Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, and that was on my list, too, and that's The Dark Knight Rises yep. with, uh, with Bane's speech, mm -hmm. and then um, exploding as Heinz Ward is running with the football. Yeah. So, yeah, interestingly enough, they had, I think, uh, six or seven actual Pittsburgh Steelers take part in that uh, as, with cameos and then the rest of them obviously were just regular actors mm -hmm. uh, extras who were part of those scenes yeah um another one i have is the university of alabama's football field oh university of alabama's football field this one does not immediately trigger anything in my mind um the very very short sequence that's part of a bigger montage in a movie yeah okay is it so obviously it has to be a southern movie um ah yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm gonna guess and it's not gonna be right as sweet home alabama no forrest gump okay yeah that's why because i it's it's forrest not, gump runs, walks yeah. on to the alabama football team and runs for a touchdown and just keeps running yep all the way through the stadium yep you're right also ping pong against president nixon I want to say, or is it Johnson? Someone. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Not one of my favorite movies, so I don't watch it very often. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I remember that one now. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I will give you the movie. You give me the thing. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, Chicago. This is the part of the show where I say I've never watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off all the way through. Oh. Oh my goodness! Oh, <laughs> uh, but I think yourself. it's the eh, it's the baseball game. Is it the Cubs? It is the Cubs. Okay, I was I was not sure if it was the Cubs or the White Sox. But, yeah, Wrigley Field, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, that's one of his activities on his day off is mm -hmm. uh, taking a game at Wrigley Field. So I have one more, and it's. I don't even think it's worth guessing because it's not made clear where the stadium is or who is playing because it's all made up. Okay. Um, Hit me up. So, so I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you the actor and you can tell me if you know what movie it is. Okay. So Harrison Ford's Harrison Ford is in this movie. Okay. And there's a football game involved. Okay. Is it Harrison Ford? Is he the one? <laughs> <laughs> there have been a lot of people who have played this character. I think this one is the Harrison Ford movie. 
Are you referring to the sum of all fears? Yes. Is that Ben Affleck? That's Ben Affleck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember which, which version oh. of Jack Ryan it was. Yeah, no, the sum of all fears, the ending with the uh the nuke inside yes. the, uh, mm-hmm. the Super Bowl which stadium. Might might be in like Baltimore or Washington, DC, or it's not really ever like made explicitly clear, I don't think. Yeah, I feel like it's in Baltimore, if I'm not because mistaken. whoever's playing is not actual teams. Yeah. And it's in a dome, which doesn't exist in either of those places. Yeah. yeah. So all right. So I got a couple more for you. We'll run through these real quick. All right. The movie is Hitch. Uh, I've only seen Hitch one time. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what it is. Madison Square Garden. There's a okay. scene where yep. he takes yep. the one girl on a date. Mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden to a Knicks game. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, Yankee Stadium. There's a m- n- bunch of movies. This is a movie with Emily Blunt in it. Emily Blunt. There is a a short scene in Yankee Stadium. Oh, um, no, that's not it. Yeah, I I know. What is it? the the adjustment bureau ah okay yeah when they're walking through they walk through the door from like the statue of liberty and they end up on the field in yankee stadium Mm, and they look out over yankee stadium all right last one and if you get this i'll be super impressed all right the movie is safe house denzel washington movie safe house there is a scene a stadium scene near the beginning of the movie. If you can, if you can give me any information about this. <laughs> this is another movie I've only seen one time, so I don't remember at all. Okay. Now there's, there's a reason why I put this in here. Um, and that is, um, this is movie came out in 2012. And one of the opening scenes is in, Cape Town Stadium in Cape Town, South Africa. It oh, was, wow. It was one of the stadiums that they built for the 2010 World Cup, mm. which, you know, you and I know was a legendary World Cup for us yeah. and lots of iconic moments in that one. And so every time I watch Safe House, it brings back memories from the 2010 <laughs> World Cup because uh, this movie was filmed shortly thereafter and the stadium, you know, the stadium had just been built for the World Cup. Yeah, that was that was a tricky one because that, mm. that's a nice all right that was fun um so let's conclude uh today's episode with our watch list movies that we've watched over the last week rob what'd you watch so i watched um the forever purge on hbo max okay because i'm interested in checking out some scary movies and i watched it with my best friend jen because she was watching on her tv at her house and i was watching on my tv at my house and uh i think that's a good way to watch a scary movie Fair enough. Because those yeah. people text each other back and forth, uh, annoying other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, they walked into an empty movie theater, and she messaged me saying, "I'm about to jump now. Something's going to happen." And then, like literally three seconds later, something yeah. like flew. Out. <laughs> She's like, "I jumped." <laughs> <laughs> um, I also watched uh, "Journey to the Center of the Earth" with Brendan and Fraser. Oh, okay. Which was very interesting story-wise. Very absolutely awful 
in every way effects wise. <laughs> and they came out in the early 2000s, but I feel like there were movies that had way better effects even then. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was not very impressed with it, but yeah, just felt like checking something different out. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I watched this week. Okay. Uh, the main one I watched this week was see how they run. Uh, I saw it in theaters. It is based on, um, <clears throat> well, it is a murder mystery that takes place in the theater where they're playing an Agatha Christie murder mystery. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of a murder mystery within a murder mystery. And it really relies. On... Yes. <laughs> Uh, it relies heavily on like the classic tropes of your classic whodunit murder mystery Agatha Christie style um, and I would say largely it's a it's a good movie uh, I thought Circe Ronan had a really standout performance as a, a police constable uh, who's helping to investigate alongside Sam Rockwell um, interestingly enough Oscar Isaac is in this for like total of like two minutes and is like a super minor character that like never huh. has anything to do which is really kind of strange um the the positives on the movie the settings were excellent it takes place it's supposed to take place in like early 1950s west london and so the scenery and the settings was really classic and they did a really good job with it um i thought the pacing was a little slow um, I thought overall it was a little bit self-congratulatory in that it's like, hey, here is what a whodunit is. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to do these things. Uh, so there's a lot of like heavy, obvious foreshadowing type things going on um, as they play on the tropes of of classic murder mysteries. Uh, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun and entertaining. So it's not a fantastic movie, but there's some very good things about it. So I am uh, tangential to our watch list here. You'll be hearing a lot about this the next few weeks, so I wanted to just mention it. I'm going on a, a journey of horror discovery over the next month. Okay. I, I have uh, asked for a list to be made for me of 30 horror movies to watch in the month of October, and I'm going to watch one every day. I think you're going to need to write something too for the Film for Fans website. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I should do. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Make sure you uh, join us next week. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a revisit on Gladiator, which should be fun. Um. Until next time, enjoy the movies and check out filmforfans.com. See you later.